morning evangel. And uh, yeah, if you could um, switch me over, Cameron. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, good morning, Evangel. I want to remind us this morning that, that Evangel means gospel or good news. Just a reminder to us. And sometimes we, I mean, Evangel isn't a word that we think of in the English language. And so why do we call this place Evangel? But it, but it, it uh, in the Greek New Testament, the word for good news or gospel is euangelion and from that we get our word uh you know evangelism evangelist and the core of those words is evangel evangel which means gospel or good news we are a gospel people we are a good news people we are about the good news of jesus and his kingdom amen and the gospel not only stands in contrast to the world and its slavery to sin, but it also stands in contrast to human religion and its slavery to man-made rules and man-made ways of trying to please God. Sinners need to repent of sin and turn to Jesus. Religious people need to repent of religion and turn to Jesus. We all need Jesus. And religion won't get us any further than sin will. We need Jesus. Pam and I just returned yesterday from our trip to Italy. And as they mentioned, it's our, it's our 30th anniversary tomorrow. Um, this Beautiful lady has put up with my foolishness for 30 years, and we're both still alive. So, so we chose to celebrate by going on a trip. Um, we've done a lot of traveling for missions and those kinds of things, but we've never just gone on a long-distance trip just for us. And so we, uh, we chose to do that and uh, check some things off our, off our bucket list in the process. And uh, we had a fantastic time. A, a big thanks to all those that filled in while we were gone. And, and it sounds like, I mean, nobody burned the building down. And, and uh, sounds like things went all right, um, which is awesome. Um, I, we are a little jet lagged. <laughs> so if stuff I'm saying this morning doesn't make a lot of sense, then just chalk it up to that, all right? But... Uh, I'll try not to fall asleep in the middle of my own sermon, all right? I'll try to keep you guys awake too. All right, but in our travels, we went to a lot of huge, important churches, or important in, in, in the religious world. One thing that stood out to, to me is, as, I, as we walked through these huge basilicas and and. Um, you know, just as, as we processed after the trip, um, one of the things that, that stood out to me <clears throat> is that we have such a, a, a propensity, a, a tendency as humans to bend towards religion instead of a relationship with God. We have this, this gravitational pull towards religion. It's always been that way. I, I don't know if you remember the story in, in Numbers where God healed a bunch of Israelites using a bronze serpent. Do you remember that? They hung it on a pole and if you looked at it, you could be healed. Well, a few hundred years later, they had to destroy that thing because Israel had begun to worship it and burn incense to it. When Gideon, powerful man of God, was used by God to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites and their oppressive uh, slavery of the Israelites, um, God used him to tear down the, the idols of the gods Baal and, and Asherah and um, you know, free the Israelites from their, from their idol worship. 
And yet Gideon at the end of his, of his life made an ephod, a breastplate that, that was meant for the high priest. He made an ephod and, and the Israelites began to worship that and they slid right back into idol worship, right? We have this gravitational pull. God is, God is faithful in every generation to raise up preachers and leaders to point the church back to the true faith, back to relationship with the Father through faith in Christ. And many of the people that, that are now called saints, like Francis of Assisi, Ignatius of Loyola, Teresa of Avila, and so many more, hundreds more. Many of them were sincere leaders and Christ followers and gifts to the church to point them back to Jesus. But rather than learn the lessons that we were meant to learn from their lives, we turned them into saints, put their remains in fancy tombs, and began to worship them. And let's not be too quick to point at our Roman Catholic friends because we too as evangelicals and charismatics have our ways of sliding into religious ways. It's just more subtle. Religion is easier because it costs us less and we can remain in command and control of our lives as long as we do our religious duties. A relationship with God is far more dangerous and costly, but so much more fulfilling and rewarding. And it's the very reason that Jesus came. Just a few days ago, a, a preacher, teacher, author, someone that I've read a couple of his books, Timothy Keller, passed away. And, uh, and read a quote from him the last couple days. Religious people find God useful. Gospel people find him beautiful. I'm going to say that one again. Religious people find God useful. Gospel people find him beautiful. We are gospel people, folks. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps, if you have them, to Mark 14. Mark 14, verses 1 to 11. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. So, so those are two things, but one thing. Passover was a meal that kicked off a week-long festival called the, the festival or feast of unleavened bread, right? And uh, the Passover, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Passover was a significant, one of the most important moments in the, in the calendar for a Jewish person, at, um, and, and still is. Um, and, the, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a week-long time of, of removing all of the leaven from your house. Because leaven s symbolized sin. So it's this idea of, of being diligent to look in every crook and cranny of our lives for any sin that might need to be removed. So that we can be the kind of people God wants us to be, right? Um, so now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or people may riot. 
while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table, um, that means he, they were having a meal, right? They, that's how they ate. They reclined at the table. While he was at Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. Now, we don't know a lot about Simon the leper, but we know he was healed because he wouldn't be there. He would be in a leper colony if he was not healed yet, right? He wouldn't be there because uh, you weren't allowed as a leper to be in the presence of, of other people who didn't have leprosy. So, so he's a, a man who Jesus had healed from leprosy. Um, we're in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her, leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them at any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the, the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. I want to just read three verses from John's version of this story in John chapter 12, first three verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took, out, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume." So Passover is just two days away. People are arriving from all over the Mediterranean world to come and celebrate one of the most important Jewish festivals, celebrating how God had protected the, the Hebrews from death when the firstborn uh, of the Egyptians were struck uh, because of the plague. But because of the blood on the of the Passover lamb and the doorposts, God miraculously delivered the Hebrews from slavery, uh, from, from death and then from slavery and gave them their freedom. And here, these people sitting, reclining at this meal, preparing to celebrate the Passover in just a couple of days, sharing a meal together, having a meal in honor of Jesus, it says in the passage we read, have no idea that they are currently celebrating the one who is the true Passover lamb that 1,400 years of Passover lambs had pointed forward to. This Jesus had restored their loved ones back to them. Simon the leper was no longer a leper. He was now hosting a meal. Lazarus, who had just the previous chapter to John chapter 12, had been, had been sick and then died, been dead for four days, and Jesus showed up and restored him to life. 
And now he was preparing to lay down his life to be the ultimate Passover lamb so that his blood could mean protection from judgment from the, for those who would choose to believe in him and freedom from slavery to sin. Amen? Jesus is the restorer of lives. This was a feast to celebrate Jesus and there is Lazarus. There's Simon. And I would suggest that probably most of the people at the party were people whose lives had been restored by Jesus, by his teaching, and by his ministry in their lives, by his glory and goodness to them. They had been restored in some way. Many of them had been healed. Their lives had been touched. Folks, mo many of us, most of us in this room are people whose lives have been restored by Jesus. Amen? We could take, if we had the time this morning, we could, we could interview every one of you, and most of you would tell stories of how Jesus has restored your life, pulled you out of darkness, pulled you out of brokenness and lostness, and set you on a path of hope. He is the only one that can truly change and restore our lives. That's what he came to do. That's why he is the evangel. That's why he is the good news. Because he's the restorer of lives. That's why we are good news people. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and, and you've been trying to turn your life around and it hasn't worked, there's a reason. We can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. That doesn't work. We cannot lift ourselves out of the pit. We cannot restore our own lives by our own effort. But there is one who can. And Simon is hosting the party in honor of the restorer of lives and I want to encourage you this morning that your life can be restored. Amen? Amen. And Mark's version, Mark's version doesn't give us the name of the woman. It just says there was this woman who broke an alabaster jar and she poured, poured out this, this perfume. On Jesus. One of, the, one of the passages we read says that she poured it on his head, and the other one says that she poured it on his feet. Those aren't contradictions, it just means she poured it all over him. His head and his feet, right? But in, in John's version of this story, he tells us that it was Mary the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She, in that dinner, in that moment, had so much to be thankful for. Jesus had restored her life, changed her life, but he'd also raised her brother from the dead. I'd say that's worth a party, right? Right? And, and the passage says in John, it says, and Martha served. Martha's serving. And here's Mary goofing off again. Right? Remember that story in Luke chapter 10? Where, where Martha gets upset because she's doing all the work and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And here she is again at the feet of Jesus. Notice Martha's not complaining this time. 
Isn't that interesting? Mary's slacking again, but this time Martha is not worried and upset by many things, like it said back in Luke chapter 10. But as she serves, her serving is now an act of gratitude and worship. Something has shifted. Something has changed. Right? The same, folks, the same situation, depending on where our heart is focused, the same situation can throw us into panic and, and anxiety and frustration and confusion or the same situation we can walk in peace and joy and confidence. When our focus is on the stuff, is on the things that need to be done, is on the stuff, our, our to-do list becomes a frustration. But when we allow ourselves to be focused on Jesus, keep our focus on Him and realize that every moment is a gift and an opportunity to live our lives as worship. Folks, worship is not just what we do here on Sunday mornings. But it's living our lives in honor of Jesus, no matter what comes our way, that is worship. And when we live our lives as worship, and we keep our focus on Jesus, then we don't spin into frustration as Martha did the first time, but we can joyfully serve, knowing that Jesus has got the rest. Right? I remember when we went uh, a number of years ago to plant a church and we had gathered a team. We had uh, 27 people that were going to go with us to plant this church. And, uh, and we were having meetings before, before the, the launch of the, of the church. And, and I started picking up this language Oh, we have to do this, and we have to arrive at this time, and we have to set up the, you know, the equipment, and we have to, you know, do this and this. And I, I caught the, the have to language. And we, we I, I just stopped everybody and said, hold on, hold on. God has called us to do something that will change a community. He's called us to do something that will bring the gospel where it currently isn't. We get to set up every Sunday morning. We get to greet people as they walk through the door. We get to love and serve the people around us because Jesus has called us and anointed us to do it. We get to. And we shifted the language from we have to to we get to. And all of a sudden, those things that were work, that didn't change the fact that we had to work hard to do this thing. But it turned it into worship. It wasn't a drudgery. It was, it was an honor to serve. So while Mary, Martha is serving, Mary disappears for a while. See, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they lived in Bethany in the same community that Simon the leper did. They all lived in Bethany. And the party's at Simon's house, but Mary disappears for a while. And she runs across town to her house she goes into her promise box. Ladies, any, any of you have a promise box when you're getting, you know, getting ready to get married? Right? She goes to her promise box. 
And she takes out this precious treasure that she has been saving. She understands what's coming. Get to that in a moment. She understands more than others in the room what's coming. She can't change what must happen. Jesus is going to the cross, but she can anoint Jesus with this precious gift, anoint his head as king and Messiah, anoint his feet as as prophet and, and servant of God. She can anoint him with this precious gift. She is thankful, not just for healing her brother and healing Simon the leper. She wants to worship Jesus who has changed her life. She comes back to the dinner. She comes over to Jesus with an alabaster jar. People begin to look at her strangely. What's that Mary up to now? Is she bringing a gift to Jesus? Is there a message in the bottle? What's she doing? And as she smashes the top of the jar on the table, things get really quiet and awkward. She begins to pour it on his head. Folks, this was not some ancient custom that they all understood. It was just as weird then as it would be today at a party. If somebody brought in a bottle of Hugo Boss and smashed the top of it and started pouring it on someone's head, I think the party would stop for a moment. Don't you? All of a sudden, things got weird. See, this, this alabaster jar is made of alabaster stone. Alabaster is a, we actually, this, this, I use this picture just because it's a alabaster bigger jug thing that we saw on our, on our tour um, of the Vatican Museum. But uh, it's a, it's a soft stone that is used for carving, and an alabaster jar is the closest thing they had then to glass, right? Is they would take this soft stone and carve it into a bottle. And carve it so thin it was fragile like glass. And it says that it was filled with oil or, or perfume of pure nard. Kind of a weird, weird name, but... Nard comes from a, a flower that grows in northern India and in Nepal. So it was, it was imported from a long ways away. Not only was the jar expensive and priceless, but the stuff in it was priceless. And the passage tells us that it was, um, it, it says in, in our, the NIV, it says more than a year's wages. It, it literally in the Greek says that it was... Th- 300 denarii, which was the average wage of a person at that day for a year. So let's, let's consider this as a $40,000 bottle of perfume, right? $40,000 bottle of perfume. It was probably a very expensive part of her dowry gift that was given to her that was meant to last for the rest of her life. It's a treasure. But she wanted to spend it on Jesus. She broke it. She didn't just open it. She, she broke it. It's kind of like probably heard the story of 
Hernan Cortez, the explorer, who when he and his men arrived on the shores of Mexico and Cortez knew the, the dangers and the difficulties that were before them to, to take over the Aztec kingdom, he knew his men would want to go home. And so he had them burn their ships before they went to find the Aztecs. There was no going back. It's kind of like that. Mary broke the alabaster jar. She's like, I don't want to even be tempted to hold some back for myself. I am pouring this all out on Jesus. I'm holding nothing back. She was all in. And the religious people, as the passage says, start to, to pick on her and, and they get really upset, right? Why such a waste? Why, why? She could have sold that and given the money to the poor. I think Jesus was probably a little sarcastic when he said, the, you have the poor with you all the time. You can... You can, you can Serve the poor anytime. In other words, hey guys, when was the last time you gave anything to the poor? Right? You're picking on her, but that's not your that's not what you're it's not really because you're concerned about the poor. Right? People who don't get it, air quotes. People who don't get it will use religious arguments to shut down real sold-out passion for Jesus because it makes them uncomfortable. I'm going to say that one again. People who don't get it will use religious arguments to shut down real sold-out passion for Jesus because it makes them uncomfortable. I want you to know Jesus understands the heart of what you give him even if no one else does. He sees your sacrifice. And he sees your life lived out as worship, as beautiful. Some of you have given deeply to love and to serve people in your own way, the way that you felt God led you to, to, to step out and do. And maybe no one took you seriously. Maybe no one cared that you gave and that you served. And maybe people said, are you crazy? Why would you do that? But Jesus says, leave them alone. It's a beautiful thing that they have done for me. And then the passage says, I love, I love Jesus says this. She did what she could. It's an interesting thing phrase for Jesus to say about what Mary has done. I think Mary had been listening and the other disciples hadn't been paying attention. At least three times before this event, Jesus had told the disciples what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem. And they didn't clue in. And I don't mean that Jesus, you know the way that he can tell parables and everybody's like, I'm not sure what he's saying. It wasn't like that. It was really clear. Right? Here's, here's one example in, um, in Mark 10. 
verses 33 and 34. So four chapters earlier, Jesus says this to the disciples. We are going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. That's not, that's not obscure. That's not, you know, that's pretty clear. But they still were not expecting this at all. Ask any woman. Men just don't listen sometimes, do they? <laughs> sometimes we just hear what we want to hear. And these men did not want to hear that Jesus was going to die. And so they didn't hear it. But Mary had been listening. She knew that this was the plan. She knew that it was the will and purpose of God. And she knew that there was nothing she could do to stop it. But she did what she could. Mary faced an overwhelming situation. But rather than becoming frozen by the overwhelming need, she did what she could. Folks, sometimes for us, the thought of the need around us, the reality that thousands of people in the shallower region are currently going to a Christless eternity and will be separated from God forever unless someone reaches them with the gospel, the brokenness of domestic abuse and violence that's around us, the epidemic of drug and alcohol addiction, or the epidemic of anxiety and depression. There's so many needs around us. It means that we can get overwhelmed with the need and just shut down. Somewhere inside, we just decide to survive. As long as I can make it to the end of this thing with my faith in Jesus intact, I'll be okay. Mary couldn't change everything, but she did what she could. And Jesus said that it would be celebrated for all of time. What can you do? You can't save everyone in shallower region that needs to be saved. You can't even save everyone you know in the shallower region. But you can take one step of boldness. You can have one conversation about your faith in Christ with someone. You can do one act of kindness today and then maybe even another one tomorrow. There is something you can do. It was said of Mary that she did what she could. Folks, I want to challenge us today. There are things that we can do. To serve Jesus, to love Jesus with our lives. To just step out and do something. So why did Jesus want Mary's story told everywhere that the gospel would be preached? We see in the Gospels that Jesus had that, that Mary had learned to prioritize Jesus' presence, to prioritize his words. 
She had learned what worship truly was. She was willing to look foolish at a dinner party and willing to act, even if it was just a small thing, willing to act while other people criticized her and attacked her. She stepped out in boldness. She was willing to lavishly pour out her life's treasure and all that she had upon Jesus as an act of love and obedience and worship. She held nothing back. The act of breaking the alabaster jar was an act of saying, I give everything, Jesus, for you and your kingdom cause. I am all in. All in. Just stand with me today. I want to ask you what is your alabaster jar? What have you held back? That you need to give him today. See, we can, we can choose religion. Which tells us that we can stay mostly in control of our lives as long as we do our religious duty. But folks, that doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to life. Or we can go all in. into a costly but beautiful relationship with the Father through Jesus. Are you willing? Are you ready to break your alabaster jar, your alabaster heart, and pour out your life for Jesus? No going back. Jesus, I am all in. That is the path to life, folks. That is the path to life. I want to pray. And then Natalie's going to lead us in a song called Alabaster Heart. I know it's brand new. But as you listen to it, as you speak out the words, sing out the words to the best of your ability this morning, Make it a prayer. So Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that Jesus went to the cross for us. I thank you that there is so much more than the options of slavery to sin or slavery to religion, but there is life in Christ. There is hope in Jesus. There is a relationship with God that we long for, that we were made for. God, I pray that today we would have the courage, we would have the boldness, we would, we would be willing to just throw it all in, to just say, Jesus, I want all that you have for me. I'm willing to lay down control of my life and just, just uh, break my alabaster jar and pour out my life for you. Take all of me. Jesus, I pray. Here it is, my alabaster heart, keeping nothing back from who you are. No hidden treasure, veil, or key, or wall. You're a lifetime worth of worship, and that's only just the start. Here it is, my every waking day. 
minutes, hours, the years of endless grace. For you're worthy far beyond all I could say. There's a lifetime worth of worship in the nuance of your name. Let it rise like incense, my whole life, fragrance every ounce, here broken at your feet. Every breath an offering, my heart cries, his long sings over you, my worthy King. challenge you this morning before we uh, close this service I I'm certain that there are those in this room that have been challenged as I have been by this message this call to live a life like Mary did of abandoned 
abandoned service, abandoned worship, abandoned love for Jesus. I'm certain that there are those in this room who've who've held back parts of your, your life, your heart, because you weren't sure you could trust it to Jesus, but he's calling you this morning to, as even as we, we, earlier in the service in our time of prayer, there was that, that call to trust, to trust God with everything. I want to invite you today, I'm going to invite the, the breakthrough team to come on up quickly and, and be ready to, to, to pray with those. Maybe you need to come and receive prayer this morning. Or maybe you need to come and just do business with God. You need to come and kneel down at his feet and just say, Jesus, I give it all to you. Maybe you've done it a hundred times before, but today you need to do it again. You're sensing that draw, that pull, that tug. This is another moment of surrender, another moment of laying out, laying down your life for Jesus. So I want to close in prayer and you can continue to just linger and worship. If you want to visit, encourage you to, to make your way out to the lobby. Um, but if you need to come and do business with God, don't, don't leave without doing that. Don't leave unfinished business this morning. We're thrilled to pray with you this morning. We're thrilled to see you come and just bow at his feet and just have some one-on-one time with him. So God, I thank you. Thank you again for your love and your mercy in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you poured it all out for us. Thank you, God, that you call us into a life, not not just of service. We're We're not slaves. You call us into a life of beauty, of knowing you, of walking with you. And out of that beauty to serve you as an act of worship. We want to pour it all out for you. Take all of our lives as worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Every breath and offering my heart.